Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. I don't want to sound alarmist. It does help listenership, but democracy is under attack here in Idaho. When I make that claim, I'm considering the fact that the Idaho legislature and Governor Little are coordinating efforts in an attempt to silence the majority of Idaho voters. There has been a plethora of questionable legislation passed here in Idaho during this year's legislative session. One of those bills, SB 1110, signed into law by Governor Little, makes the process of getting a voter initiative on a statewide ballot virtually impossible. Ten years ago, Idaho required signatures of 6% of its registered voters in order to get an issue on the ballot and in front of Idahoans. There has been a struggle between Idaho citizens and their representatives since 2012 with Idahoans voting on initiatives unpopular with the legislature. And the legislature, in turn, raising the difficulty of placing an initiative on the ballot. This tit-for-tat culminated with SB 1110, making it necessary not only to collect signatures of 6% of registered voters, but requiring an initiative to collect 6% of registered voters in each of the 35 Idaho legislative districts making a ballot initiative in Idaho one of the most difficult in the country, as a single district here could potentially withhold a widely popular measure from getting on the ballot. Fortunately, there is an organization in our state dedicated to democracy. Reclaim Idaho has a history of helping Idaho voters decide on popular legislation that their elected representatives choose to ignore. In 2018, Idaho voters passed Medicaid expansion with the help of Reclaim Idaho's successful signature drive. The legislature previously voted against Medicaid expansion, while Idaho voters approved the measure by a whopping 61%. This week, I chat with Luke Mayville, co-founder of Reclaim Idaho. He shares some of the history of the organization and how Reclaim Idaho is fighting back against the Idaho political establishment. Thank you for making time to chat with us, Luke. It's good to be with you, Chuck. Do you want to start by explaining a little bit of the history of Reclaim Idaho? Sure. Well, back in 2017... I, together with a few old friends um, from Sandpoint, which is where I grew up, um, we got together just on a very short-term basis. We didn't know we were getting into anything, you know, uh, anything big, but we we decided to organize around a local school levy campaign to get enough people to go out and vote for the local school levy so that it would pass. Because if that levy failed about a quarter or a third of the entire school budget for that local district would have been cut. So we organized a local campaign for about 10 days. We we brought together about 50 or so volunteers to knock on doors. We just threw whatever we could at it. Um, those of us, uh, we, you know, we weren't, we didn't have a whole lot of experience in politics, but we did everything we could and we were successful. The levy passed. We were inspired by the experience and decided to see if we could do something like that for the whole state. And what we settled on was that we would start this organization, Reclaim Idaho, and we would organize statewide to pass Medicaid expansion at the ballot. So that was the origin of our organization. And and we ended up building a statewide organization with Eventually, we had a couple thousand people involved to get Medicaid expansion on the ballot in November 2018 and then persuade voters to uh, go out and vote for it. 
which by the way, they eventually did. 61% of Idahoans voted for it. And now there are over 100,000 people um, enrolled in the Medicaid expansion program, most of whom wouldn't have otherwise had health care. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. And that was no easy feat because if I remember correctly, back when voters repealed, they called them the Luna laws, I think that was in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, Idaho legislatures then raised the bar on voter initiatives after that citizens initiative to repeal those laws because I don't think that the legislation or the legislator was too happy about that situation. Yes, it used to be that if you wanted to get a referendum or an initiative on the ballot in front of voters, you just had to get, I shouldn't say just because it was still very difficult. You had to get signatures from 6% of all of the state's voters. So that's a lot of signatures. Like in today's terms, that's 65,000 signatures and they have to meet really strict standards. So if if it's not written perfectly, if, if you write the wrong address, if you're not registered when you sign, all these different reasons, you can get your signature knocked off. So you have to get 65,000 of these careful, valid signatures. And that was the old rules. After, you're right. Back in 2012, the citizens rose up, succeeded in striking down these three anti-education laws called the Luna laws. And then in the next year, the legislature came into session, dramatically changed the rules, made it so that you didn't just have to collect signatures from 6% of voters statewide. You now had to also collect signatures from 6% of voters in 18 different legislative districts. You could collect all the signatures you need statewide, but still come short in one of those districts and only get eight, only get 17 you're not on the ballot. When they made when they put those rules in place that you just referenced, a lot of organizations and citizens and concerned people just they thought the process was dead. They thought you can't really get stuff on the ballot anymore. It's it's too hard. And that was part of why no one had put Medicaid expansion on the ballot, even though a lot of people supported it. They thought it would take millions of dollars to do it. But we had a unique organizing strategy that we really believed in. So we decided to give it a shot. And it turned out we were able to able to pull it off. And because of your success, and they yeah. found time to raise it yet again. That's right. So you referred to the these anti-public schools, Luna laws that, that were enacted back in 2012. The voters rose up, struck those down at the ballot. The legislature got mad, tried to make, tried to make the uh, referendum initiative process impossible by adding this 18 district thing. We come around in 2018, we passed Medicaid expansion. Once again, the legislature gets really mad because pretty much none of them supported Medicaid expansion. The Democrats in the legislature all supported it, but there aren't very many of them. But nearly everyone, all the Republicans opposed it. So they were angry when we when we successfully passed Medicaid expansion. And by we, I mean, not our organization, but 61% of voters in yes. the state passed it. So, you simply got it on the ballot by getting enough signatures, but it was the will of the people that pushed the right. Medicaid initiative through. That's right. And so, so they got mad again, and they decided to make the process even harder still. So you now have to not only get 18 districts, you have to get signatures from 6% of voters in all 35 of Idaho's state legislative districts. That's incredible incredibly difficult because if you're an organization that's against an initiative getting on the ballot, like let's take, for example, 
let's take, let's say Reclaim Idaho tries to put something on the ballot that's going to regulate the payday loan industry so that, you know, money tree and other payday lenders can't charge people 600% interest rates for loans. There's, you know, just some initiative that would probably be very popular with voters and would probably pass. Let's say we try to put that on the ballot. Well, the payday loan industry can now come along. They realize that you need a large number of signatures from all 35 districts. They could just focus on it two or three districts and run a really aggressive campaign to prevent people from signing. And all they need to do is knock off one district and they keep something off the ballot. Which is upsetting. Yeah, it's, it's very scary for the future of initiatives. That is why we have immediately after that law went into effect, we filed a lawsuit uh, with the Idaho Supreme Court. So we're, we're suing the state and asking the court to strike down this new anti-initiatives law. We think we have a really strong case. So we, 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 actually, we predict we will win, but no, no guarantees. Are there any precedents of this in other states? Initiative laws over the years have been challenged for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes they're upheld, sometimes they're struck down. One thing that's really important to know about the new law that was passed by the legislature in Idaho, this new anti-initiatives law, it makes Idaho the only state in the country that requires signatures from every state legislative district. For example, there are a few other states that kind of resemble it, but actually, if you look closely, it's not nearly as difficult. So like Nevada, for example, requires all districts, but it's all congressional districts, which means like federal, not state. Okay. That means there are only like four of them. If you said in Idaho, if you applied that rule and you said you need a certain number of signatures from all of the congressional districts. In Idaho, there are only two. So it's actually way easier. But but there's no other state that says you've got to get a lot of signatures from every state legislative district because that is, I think other states have realized that would make the process impo- basically impossible. There is precedent in many states, including in the Idaho Supreme Court in their, in their past rulings. They've found that the legislature can make the signature rules, they have a right to do that, right? But they do not have a right to make it impossible. It's got to be what they what they've called reasonable and workable to get an initiative on the ballot. So we're we're hopeful that the legislature that the sorry, the Idaho Supreme Court's gonna take a close look at this and find that no, this this 35 district rule is just not reasonable. And the legislature needs to go back to the drawing board because they've created far too high a hurdle for the citizens of Idaho. That is really, really high. I can't even imagine how much effort and how much money it would take to get that completed and how much easier, like you said, it would be for a large corporation to come in and squash anything that Idahoans might want to push forward regardless yep. of, it, of what it might be. Um, so what do you think uh, a reasonable threshold should be? Here's the important thing to, to understand. The last set of rules that existed, you know, this 18 district rule was already far more than enough, right? Because that was put in place, as, as you were mentioning, after, after the Luna Laws campaign in 2012, the, these, this 18 district requirement was put in place in 2013. In the eight years since then, there were 15 attempts at putting things on the ballot by like different campaigns, whether it was like minimum wage or medical marijuana or what have you. 
15 attempts and only two succeeded. Um, one of them was Medicaid expansion. So the, the rules that existed before were already keeping the vast majority of attempts off of the ballot. That's the baseline to respond to your question of what kind of rules would be reasonable. You know, the baseline is that the previous rules were hard enough already. And honestly, I think probably too hard. I can imagine some kind of rule that says you've got to get some signatures from different parts of the state um, and not just from, you know, wherever you'd like. It could be like eight districts or something and you'd still, it would still be hard. And the truth is, even the previous rules that just said you need to get signatures from 6% of voters statewide, period, regardless of where they come from, that was already difficult because for all of Idaho history since the initiative process first got going, there have not been very many initiatives on the ballot. I believe the number currently is that there have only been 30 ever. Wow. So even when they didn't require multiple districts, you still only got something like one or two initiatives every five years. Wow. Yeah. And that's because it it takes a lot of work to get signatures from 6% of registered voters across the entire state. You know, think about that. That's like over one in 20 voters in the entire state. So like take any group of 20 people, you got to get one of those people to to sign your initiative for the whole state. (laughs) Like that's, that's a pretty big deal to get to go out and do all that work. Especially when you uh, spread them out evenly through all the different districts. Yeah, exactly. But even if you didn't, yeah, I'm I'm saying now though, like even if you didn't do that, it's Mm -hmm. still a lot of work. And that explains why even when you didn't have the district requirements, there still weren't very many initiatives that actually made it. Speaking of that, you know, we have put forward something our organization recently did is say, okay, we're filing this lawsuit. We're asking the court to strike down this law. We also have a backup plan. We're putting forward an initiative to possibly put on the ballot for November 2022, the next big election. That would be if the court does not rule in our favor, we want to actually give the people of Idaho a chance to strike down this law. This initiative is called the Initiative Rights Act, and it would just say no 35 district requirement. We're going back to the rules that existed for most of Idaho history, which is that it's just a large number of signatures, in this case, 6% from 6% of registered voters, no matter where they live. We hope we don't have to campaign for that. We hope that we win in court. Our whole organization, you know, our, our, our main organizing tactic, our basic part of our strategy is um, ballot initiatives. So we're going to do everything we can to save that process. That sounds like a really good plan, because I think that that would be a way for us to usurp some of the frustrations that we're experiencing as citizens with the way that our legislators are, well, passing laws and and acting. As a teacher, some of the stuff that they've uh, passed very much concerns me uh, and the direction that they're heading. And it has nothing to do with what's going on in the communities. And so I don't know what the disconnect is. But I feel like there is a genuine disconnect here in Idaho between what's going on with everyone's everyday life and what's going on in the capital in Boise. Well, Chuck, I want to, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because something that some listeners might be familiar with is we did then turn after Medicaid expansion, we turned around and launched another initiative that was actually, unfortunately was shut down by the pandemic. Uh, we weren't allowed to collect sig- signatures anymore once there was a, you know, stay at home order in place. Yeah. But we were, what we were trying to do is put an initiative on the ballot that would invest about 200 million 
more dollars annually. And we would do that by calling on you know, corporations and um, the highest earners in Idaho to pay a little bit more in taxes. And and we would take and we'd take that money and invest it in uh, K twelve education. That's an initiative. We're now we've now kind of pulled that back out of the drawer. And this time around, we're calling it the Quality Education Act. And if we can win this lawsuit in court and restore the initiative rules and make the initiative process work again, that's going to be our next big thing is is working to put this education funding initiative on the ballot. And what I wanted to put to you is that like we think as we're kind of strategizing about this, we think this could be the right moment to rally around, you know, let's support our education system because we are sensing that a lot of teachers, and I'm not going to ask you to like speak for all on behalf of all teachers, okay, but, thanks. But, but, but like we're, 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 we're hearing from a lot of teachers, a lot of parents and just concerned citizens that like, this is ridiculous. We just went through the most stressful year of our teaching careers with this pandemic. And we would think that our legislature would at least kind of like extend some sympathy or, you know, maybe even do more and like increase funding for our, you know, for our classrooms and things. But what do they do instead? They actually turn us into a scapegoat. They attack us. They go on this rant about how we're we're not showing up every day and trying to educate kids. What we're actually doing is showing up with some agenda to indoctrinate kids with some kind of like social justice ideology or what have you. So I wonder, yeah, if you have thoughts on that and it, it, because it just seems like there's this interesting kind of like moment we're in right now where, where if you just listen to what the legislature is doing, you'd think that like people in Idaho are like against schools or something, but actually it seems to, to, to me that a lot of people want to rally around their educators right now. And they're, and they're very offended that the legislature is doing the opposite. Yeah, it's been interesting. And by the time the podcast airs, I will no longer be an official teacher. (laughs) <laughs> because I okay. did put in my notice at the end of this year. It was just it was just too much for me. Wow. Um wow. in general, I feel like there's a there's a total disconnect. I didn't know what they were talking about when they were passing the legislation to limit what subjects you're allowed to teach, essentially, is what happened right. with that critical yeah. race theory. I had to look it up. Okay. I was completely right. 100% unfamiliar with it. And so you weren't, you weren't already imposing that on your, your No. Kids. I was not indoctrinating them with those types of things because well, we have parents that have feedback and as soon as you say anything, you have to deal with a lot of extra phone calls. Right. And by the way, that was my reply after, like I thought about it and I was trying to think okay, what what should we do as communities if there are like teachers who are going astray and really bringing some agenda into the classroom and really pushing it hard, doing something that could be called indoctrination. First of all, I don't think that hardly ever happens. I mean, I grew up in Idaho public schools. I I can maybe think of like one instance that was maybe kind of on the line, but even then it was still fine. I like, it didn't damage me or anything, but let's say that does happen. What should be done about it? And my best answer thinking about it is it should just be like local complaint. To me, if you're thinking as a conservative, that seems counterintuitive to legislate top down, you know, when there's already a system that's in place, that's 
nearly libertarian when it comes to this exchange of ideas and then the ones that are offensive to the community essentially just get squashed. Right. That's right. You, yeah. Be, and, and in the way you're describing it, that makes all the sense in the world to me that it would be that way that, yeah, if you, if you run afoul of like sensibilities, you're going to get like in your local community, you're going to get some pressure. So after this Supreme Court case or outside of the the voter initiatives, what else are you all working on? What Reclaim Idaho is trying to do in the long term, you know, we launched these big campaigns like Medicaid expansion, like education funding, because we want to bring people together from, in some cases, across the political spectrum to work together on these big, what we call consensus issues that majority of Idahoans care about and believe in. And we want to, you know, dramatically multiply the number of people who are actively engaged in the political process out of a belief that that's the only way that we're really going to change our politics and make our government, you know, more representative of ordinary people. Only way we're going to do that is if we bring a whole lot more people into the process and if we do it statewide. So not just, you know, in Boise, not just in Treasure Valley, but all over the place. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today, Luke. Thank you, Chuck. This was, this was great. And it's just good to be able to talk about what we do. Thank you for listening to Treasure Valley Podcast. If you consider yourself an active citizen and would like to support democracy here in Idaho, visit reclaimidaho.org for information on how to volunteer or donate. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and follow.